You and I, for the best and worst, are who we are. Anyone hearing my voice right now has made innumerable decisions whose outcome has produced the you that sits there in traffic, on the toilet, or exploiting the caveat of making toast on a Wednesday. The entirety of your personality shaped ever so subtly like time's use of the wind and rain to erode away at the blank slate that you entered this world as. Except in this case, the abrasive breeze and the dickish precipitation are played by friends, family, pop culture, and life experience. Each individual instance chipping another micron away. This disintegration is a nonpartisan consumption. It'll wash away fears, joys, preconceptions, admiration, hatred, and love equally. The nothing from the never-ending story could be used as an example. It eats away indiscriminately at chaotic good and evil alike, leaving only the heart of what's believed in. So Robin Weave came to us with this show idea to bring you fine folks to the attention of who we believe had the biggest impact on us to produce the rock-hard abs of perfect marbled men we've become. He wanted us to tell you about our hero. But more importantly, who in the history of time did we see, hear, read about that made us stop dead in our tracks and yell, Holy fucking shit, me too! It may surprise you that I went with a genuine answer instead of a comic superhero. Just know that I totally could have made you believe that I believed Spider-Man was a for-real dude that lives in New York and is just super witty and cool and shit. Fuck. I wonder if it's too late to change minds as Spider-Man. Hello, everybody. Oh, God damn you, Chris, with your farts and your things. Oh, man. Tis the I. Things we go through for love. Yes. Indeed. Yes. Indeed. Hey, everybody. My name's Jason. What's yours, Chris? Uh, that. Tris Majestus. Fuck yeah. How about you, Rob? Robble, Robble here. And it helps that I actually have the mic in my hand now because I was wondering why it wasn't showing up on my recording, little hoodiggy. Uh-huh. Well, it's a good yeah. good thing that you rarely ever say anything worth recording. That's shake right. it, so, shake it there like a salt shaker. We have a a special little uh, after school special of an episode for you today. Um, Rob came to us with uh, an idea because he thought that he had the thirtieth episode, which has since passed. I believe that was the uh, the Edgar Allan Poe episode. Whoop whoop. Um, but he came to us and said, uh, I want to let the people know what what we sound like, or not what we sound like. Why the fuck did I even say that? Basically, Chris, are you there? who makes you tick? <sighs> who was the historical figure that you heard something about one day and you stopped and went, really? And then you just had to learn more about this person. Plus, you two depressed the fuck out of me the last two episodes. So I needed some happy research. And I couldn't come up with a <laughs> happy serial killer, a happy conspiracy. So I had to come up with something to save my sanity. So, Well, you guys just be prepared to be depressed again next week. Because holy fuck, I'm going to be talking about World War One. Anyway. Um, okay. So we're going to jump into this as as ASAP as possible. We will go ahead and throw out the fact that Chris, uh, being the cool kid in the class that sits in the back, you know, so the teacher can't see him fucking scribbling on his desk and shit mm-hmm. and jacking off, My sunglasses uh, on. has not, 
he, he hasn't exactly decided not to join in with the fun. He just thinks that he's too good for influence. He just thinks that no one in the in the the entirety of the history of the human race has made him pause and say, "Man, that's pretty fucking sweet. I think uh, I like that, and I want to I want to chill with that guy. Maybe uh maybe do like a like a double Dutch rudder thing with him. You know? I it's can't totally believe you true. wouldn't want to have a cigar with Bill Clinton. I mean." Ooh, gross, slimy. <laughs> anyway, gotta be careful of that one. So I, I have one, and Rob's, uh, Rob's got three, and well, the original you don't plan talk was about my uh, guy. I just didn't do any homework on him because it's not even like when when Rob told asked us about the homework, like that was the only person that popped into my head. To be perfectly honest, so there was an impact. Well, that's a perfectly valid answer. Like, it wasn't like like I had to like I've ever done any research on him. I don't have anything specific about his life to talk about. I don't. I mean, I don't know anything about the guy. Well, we'll just tell people now. He was like, a cool uh, guy. This That's is all. the. He was Carl Sagan. Yeah, who is thanks, a very Jason. cool guy. Astronomer. And you're welcome. Filmmaker. Yeah, I mean, he was he was a great awesome dude, voice haver. <clears throat> yeah, he did have a pretty awesome voice. I guess, I mean, I, I guess the impact that he made, uh, if any, um, to speak of, was that when I first saw um, uh, the Cosmos, um, <clears throat> I don't know why his voice, I don't think it was his voice that was entertaining to me, but yeah, I think partially it was. And, and just, I've always loved space, so him breaking down astronomy and mm-hmm. things like that in, in a way that that a child could understand it um <clears throat> or at Helped least a child it. this cool could understand mm-hmm. it i mean i'm sure there were plenty of dunce little jit but jitterbugs out there that uh oh little he's, jitterbugs he's also that's, one of the few people that right. have his artwork hurtling through space as we speak it has left our known universe and is actually outside Twice. of what we know is happening right now yep yep he drew those he drew those naked people Twice. and i dig it so, welcome, everybody, to another just, well, this is going to be kind of a mediocre episode of See No, Hear No, Speak No. <laughs> That's fucked up. How are you going to put me out there before okay. you even intro so I go, the damn show? So I go way too high, then I bring it, and then it's it's back to nothing, and then now it's just, and now you're like, oh, it's the, what, you knew we didn't intro, and you knew you didn't do it. You're just going <laughs> to shit all over my boy. mental health. I see how you are. It's okay. Well, yeah, he's like Rob chopping. It you're up. still the new kid. You're still the new kid in class, and I'm still giving you wedgies, and I'm still putting my wet finger in your ear, and I'm still uh, taking pictures pictures of you naked uh, with my bag in your mouth um, while you. <laughs> well, wow! Yeah, you got a little that too much boys and girls there. is. That's why Ludacris mentions uh, on uh, one of his albums that. You know, if you wake up with a funky taste in your mouth or some shit like that, you always go and find the white people you were hanging out with last night <clears throat> and uh, force them to give up whatever fucking incriminating pictures they might have. Because <laughs> those motherfuckers is crazy. Yeah, because we won't just draw dicks all over you. We'll take photographic evidence of said dicks and put them out into the world yeah. and laugh. you enjoying fresh brewed tea mm-hmm. <laughs> in your face hole. <laughs> oh man! So, so I'm gonna need you to so chop th- this now that you're editing. I'm gonna need you to go ahead uh-huh. and edit all this into its correct mm. place, sir. 
Oh, that that's not going to happen. I know it's not, no. but I'm telling you that it should so that all the boys and girls can maybe listen to it as in their heads as if you had done it okay. correctly. <clears throat> you know what? I'll tell I'll tell you what. I'll think about it, but I will bring up the point of uh, there are only uh, there's only a reason to follow a rule if there's a consequence, and mm. from where from where I'm sitting, I see no consequence. Clearly, other than, Melissa is not doing well, her job anymore. I wanted it to be kind of a free will, free <laughs> she's, will she's doing all right. kind of show. That's why I didn't want to do the basic format that we've been doing. So why not let him have it before the intro? Considering he still ain't done his part yeah. either yet. Because he's a butt knuckle and he knows it, Rob. You're just giving him. You're just enabling <laughs> his. His. It's not like it was much of a fucking intro, for fuck's sake. His butt knuckling. Oh, Don't be UFOs, part of the conspiracies, and Rob. murder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See no hear no speak no pod at gmail.com. And butt knuckling by Jason. Jason's just gonna do it all. Okay, so Chris has Carl Sagan. Yes. And since. And he, he likes space and stuff. I like space and stuff. Yeah, man. All right. Cool shit. Well, I, I more, more, uh, more serious about a subject I've never heard you. So, really? okay. So I'm going to start with my all-time hero. This is my favorite person probably ever that's ever existed. He is the man who has tamed lightning. He is a founding father of our great country. He huh. he is also a very makes you very very happy when someone hands you a picture of him, and that would Wait, be Benjamin Franklin. I got it. Is he Chris Christmasjustice yeah. the yep. third dot com? <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be huh. Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. I mean, well, both both Chris Christmasjustice and Benjamin Franklin used to sit naked outside of their balconies just because. That's you actually believe it. What I heard that that was actually. What made me stop and go, wait, 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 wait. This motherfucker did what? And he thought it was healthy oh, for oh, him to sit four hours naked in the sunshine every day. Mm-hmm. We every both he was also, not a good-looking man. We both also have a family of skeletons underneath our front porch. This is true. His hmm. residence that he lived in in France was actually excavated uh about a decade ago and they found all kinds of bones and everything else buried in the basement underneath the concrete and we both also, also another great mystery so is he a serial killer <laughs> was he experimenting hmm. on humans was he what was he doing and i mean did he did he build the house did anybody else live there before oh, no, he built they could it. have done it yeah, yeah, yeah no no he yeah he built it it definitely and dates then, to uh, his time of being in this do house you think was, it might be tied to that cool club that we both also were members of <laughs> back in the day. You know, you know what I'm talking about? You know? Baby. Wait, you know are you talking, talking about, about band? What the fuck? <laughs> band? Fuck out of here, He was here, actually nerd. a member of several secret societies. Um, he's just an all-around enigma. Sweet dude that got tons of tang. Oh, mm-hmm. Don't get me yes. wrong. I like band nerds. I bang the shit out of them, but I, I was never motivated enough to be in any kind of clubs. Jason. I just didn't want to have Jim. I didn't want to have to change in front of other boys. Yeah. That's why I know how to play music, is because I didn't want other dudes seeing my dick. That is, <laughs> that is the only reason that today I'm an, an accomplished musician in many instruments, is because I didn't want to get naked in school. I believe that. 
That was weird. That you should believe it because that is absolutely true. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Rob. I just oh, it's okay. I had to throw that out there. It's, yeah, <laughs> therapy. That uh, therapy. Ben Franklin was actually an outlaw for a majority of his life. He started off as an apprenticeship with his older brother to become a printer. He actually ran away from that apprenticeship, becoming a fugitive. Uh, what? And that's how he ended up in Philadelphia. Because he started printing boobies, didn't he? Mm-hmm. He started making about putting boobies on everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, wait, one second. I understand that. But what I don't understand is, it was against the law to leave an, an apprenticeship? Yes, because he was basically an indentured servant. I will take care of your room, your board. You will work for me for this amount of time. I will teach you the craft of offset lithography printing and basically pay for you to live here. And in return, you will work for me for free for this set amount of time. Hmm. But Ben Franklin was actually a practical joker, and he loved to screw with his older brother. At the time, he actually would write letters to the editor, which was his brother, stating that he was an elderly widowed woman and would write these in such a way that his brother would not even recognize his own handwriting and would actually publish (laughs) these stories from this old widowed woman that was actually his little brother writing him stories that's oh my god do we have do we have any surviving of the stories like that no unfortunately we can look up on our own time no ah bitch but we can only fucking we can only imagine i suppose so it wasn't boobies he was printing then it was winged penises that's what it was (laughs) He was just want some wings on my motherfucking penis. But that's mm-hmm. how he made his money was printing. He actually he actually set up a paper in Philadelphia. He started the Poor Richard's Almanac, which ran all kinds of little sayings and quips, which we do still have some. I of I used those. to love reading that on the toilet. Yeah, yeah. We, well, know, it's still in circulation. Save a you know in for a penny, in for a pound. Things like this can be attributed to that Poor Richard's Almanac. And what he actually did later in life was he would say, I will buy the equipment and set you up, but I want 50% of everything you earn in your print shop. And he would go through basically setting up little offices up and down the East Coast, all through major towns, and he would get money. So eventually he didn't have to work. He would just get money sent to him every month. He was basically doing franchises. That's an entrepreneur right there. Yeah. You give people their their own seeds to start their own lives, but you take half of their fucking lives post-seed. See, exactly. that is the true American way, right there. Be a fucking gangster, but do it by the law. Mm-hmm. That's it. it. Only half is not the American way. You get, like, 85%. We're starting to see some, some red, white, and blue that won't fucking run. No, here. but really, really, I mean, the American way is to do nothing and yet still get money. Like now, still get profits, yeah. yeah. Now, saying that, he would sound greedy, but he was also an inventor. Everybody knows the bullshit story about the key hooked to the little uh, kite and flying it in electric, and that's a that's actually a crap story. I do that with my dick while I'm actually outside taking my naked time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but you don't have you don't have a little cartoon mouse that looks exactly like you doing the same thing at the same time. Mm, no, but that but, would be awesome. Actually, he would do it by his nuts because rats have huge nuts. Oh my god, it's so bad. Yeah. Oh god, they drag on the ground and. Whoa. You could tie the little string to it and hang a little mouse key. Do your balls and hang? And low, let him fly a little. Through. 
Yeah, let him let him fly a little fucking mouse kite tied to his nuts. That'd be sweet. But he actually changed society in so many ways. He was the, as I said, he was known as the man who tamed lightning. He developed a lightning rod, and he gave that away for free. He could have patented it and sold it. But lightning strikes were such a huge deal back in the day. You could only build mm-hmm. story, build build buildings with so many stories because they were afraid of lightning striking, starting fires. Well, because everything was basically made out of fucking la- matchsticks back yes. then, yeah. And with the lightning rod technology that he developed, you could actually now build taller buildings and actually house more people in cities. So that's what really Yay. made him the rock star of his day. He was also credited with... with hey, guys, here's this fucking piece of metal, this this metal stick. Put it on top of your, your roofs and stuff. Nah, you don't have to give me any money for it. It's a little bit more than that. It actually, um, it's a it's a metal stick on top of your roof, but you also hook a piece of copper line from the top of it to the ground. And when the lightning strikes it, it follows down the copper wire into the ground safely instead of hitting the house. So it defeases. Right, right, right. So, the, yeah, so there, yeah. there's a hot wire and then there's the, the tasty wire. Exactly. He was also credited mm. with coming up with the bifocals because he got tired of flipping flipping his reading glasses on, taking his regular glasses off back and forth. So he said one day, why don't I just cut half of my reading glass and put it on the bottom and cut half of my regular glasses and put them on the top. So he actually developed the bifocals. It kind of sounds like he was more of like a common sense inventor. Like he saw something and was like, wait, why doesn't this exist? I'm just going to do that. And then other people were like, hey, is that magic? And he's like... I, I mean, I, I mean, I guess. Yeah, sure. Yeah, magic, just whatever. Just recognize the uh, problem just, and a, an easy way exactly. to remedy it. He was also credited as the founder of the Philadelphia Fire Department. I thought you were going to say the Philadelphia Eagles, but please continue. No, God, no, I would not. I would. No, that would bring him down in my book. But <clears throat> he also <laughs> is credited. Marky Mark. He is also credited with coming up with the. Um, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. I don't. Re- I have five lines written down on him, and most of this is coming out of my head. He's also credited uh, so we with got, building we, the we first lightning major, rod bifocals. He's also what? credited with building the first major hospital in Philadelphia. He, uh, for years, Sweet. he tried to get the city to build a hospital. They, the city council kept saying, "No, we don't have the money. No, we don't have the money." So they said, "If you come up with half the money." through private donations we will put in the other half and we will build the first ho- real hospital for philadelphia he did it in six months lobbying for people just to Damn. give money here a little money there and boom philadelphia had their first hospital did he also come wow. up with the with the whole plan for making it a fucking business so that no. nobody actually lost any money at all because there's charging 300 dollars for a fucking aspirin well, that's the gold-plated aspirins, man. You got to ask for the regular ones that are five bucks a piece. God damn. <laughs> yeah, Chris, come on. It's called common sense, man. Put your fucking glasses together. Five bucks a piece. Fuck out of here. Was he the guy? Was Was he the guy that the the Liberty Bell thing with the big crack in it? He did that right with his dick. That's what I heard. <laughs> Just walked up and bam. No, unfortunately. Uh, but he is credited also can we, with Can we making, just say that that's a Bible fact? Yes, you can make it a Bible fact. Is it is it Philly or is it Chicago that has that big um, um, <clears throat> monument-sized sculpture to fisting? 
Oh, that's Philly. That's that's the that's the one from Rocky. That's 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 the Stallone one. Yeah, he's actually buried in Philadelphia so on one of the worst street corners in the entire city as we speak right now. Who? Where Stallone? No, Benjamin Franklin. If you go to visit his grave, you might want to bring a Glock with you because you're probably going to get oh. robbed. No, <laughs> no. What you have to bring is a smile and a feeling of goodwill. Yeah, yeah, let me know how that works. helps out in the hood. Let me tell you. <laughs> that works in Philly. I mean, hey, I've never been mugged uh, in the hood. While uh, proclaiming goodwill towards men. Back when the projects were actually the fucking projects down here, I, I walked through unscathed quite a few times just saying, hey, how's it going? Yeah, <laughs> with or without your mohawk. Uh, well, now I was in high school, so sh- shaved head, actually. They probably looked at oh. you and go, that's one of them crazy white people. Don't mess with him. Probably. <laughs> I was, the two times that it happened, I was in a fucking suit going to the opera, and my van broke down. Oh. Uh, Benjamin Franklin can also be... Been to the opera twice, huh? <laughs> ...be given almost 100% More. credit for the Americans winning their independence. Because he was sent over to France because he's a lover, not a fighter. His venereal disease <laughs> record definitely shows that. He uh, gross. <laughs> oh, he he once he had them insects. He did, he did. He he said that uh, he by by laying with low women, he has obtained several things that he did not want. I bet. He also said, "Ow, oh, it burns when I pee." Yes, but he he specifically says that he laid with many low women in his time. But they sent well, him look over at him. to For France sake. to try to get the French involved in our independent war, in, in our war for independence. Mm-hmm. And he's actually credited with becoming the American image that most people have over in Europe today with the coonskin hat and the, f- hat and the fur because he wore those every night. <laughs> he, he actually got over what there and nerd. requested they send over as many coonskin caps that they could get their hands on and he would hand them out to the upper class over there in France. And that's why and that's why today the American raccoon is extinct. Thank you, France. Shit, I've got three that go through my trash all the time. I'll gladly ship them if there's none in Louisiana. No. <laughs> no, those are can those are Canadian oh, okay. raccoons. Okay. Yeah. Is that why they got You can't make a hat out of them. Hmm. Yep. And they and they always go now now i want to say it was him and john adams that were sent over there whoever they sent over there Mm -hmm. was not very entertaining he was very studious and he basically worked business hours trying to get things done whereas benjamin franklin he would go out drinking all night long he he was a fucking rock star yes he would be out till three four o'clock in the morning at the clubs hanging out with the elite people saying you know you really should spend some money and send some troops over here and and really help us out against these because you really don't like the english anyway so you should help us out and really give them a black eye yeah and then he'd be like hey want to see something gross and then he'd pull his pants down yeah yeah does this look like a rash to you I don't think rashes are supposed to ooze. I don't know. Gross. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you Rob. just took it to an extra level of gross. <laughs> let's, let's, let's wrap up uh, Benjamin uh, Franklin's da- uh, da- dangle here. What are you um, telling that man how to brush his story? I was going to say, he, uh, well, he was actually very involved in the forming the of our first 
first form of money. He was really into anti-counterfeiting American money and coins. And a lot of our first coins and money came from his designs. And he would trade, he would change them up here and there. And he was also, and I'll end with this, he was also an abolitionist. He believed that nobody should own anybody else in this world. He was completely anti-slavery, and he did everything he could to make sure that it never came to America, although he failed. And he was credited at at the end of the Constitutional Convention of leaving, going down to the pub or the bar down the road, and people asking him, Mr. Franklin... What kind of government did you give us? And he was quoted as saying, a republic if you can keep it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that that really does, uh, I mean, that gives me like a good feeling. He, he was such, he, he was, uh, he, he was uh, an optimist for sure. Or maybe not even, opt- maybe he was an optimist uh, because of the whole if you can keep it part. Because he was a realist. He knew, uh, he knew what people in greed and shit like that do to even the most uh pure ideas uh but it's 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 almost shocking how many good things he did uh with his life uh i mean for us to only now figure out that he was probably a serial killer as well mm-hmm. is great and a yeah. fucking satanist yeah okay well we know that that's not actually a bad thing so well, no, true, but but I mean, back in those days, I mean, you, you think about, you think about, I mean, I I personally think about this shit all the time, just like how you know he was that that inventor of, uh, or not in yes, inventor, but he was that that fixer of niche problems. You know what I mean? Like <clears throat> like we were saying, so. You think about how you know uh, 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 thought processes develop as the world develops and as society develops and civilization and all that kind of shit. You know, so then you get you get the idea for this invention, which sparks the idea for this invention and all these subsequent other things and yada yada yada. Right? You know, just kind of like math, how everything builds upon everything else. But you think about. Uh, Satanism, well, I think about this sometimes that how, like, yeah, Satanism today isn't a bad thing. And really, if you think about it and you trace back all the fucking blah, blah, blahs, um, and cut out all the shit that was fucking made up just to save face and all that kind of bullshit, um, <clears throat> you know, it, we, it, it makes sense why it's not such a big deal or why it's not such a bad thing nowadays. But what was Satanism really? back in those days when they actually still believed like wholeheartedly that that For the Franklin, devil was it was probably yeah. naked women and lots of wine that's what i'm which is see that's what, what i'm thinking satanic yeah. masses are about today as <laughs> naked women and lots of wine indeed indeed and <laughs> so. and i think it i think it takes it, it took an intellect to bring it to that point which is funny to say it takes a smart guy to pull his dick out and make everything about fucking sex and getting fucked up but it in that case yeah i think it really did it, it took an intellectual mind to realize this is fucking dumb if we just use this as a disguise then people will leave us alone because they're afraid <laughs> absolutely exactly. absolutely uh, yes, indeed. I love it. I love I it. Dig it. That's a cool guy. I, I, I dig it a lot. Now, I've always really liked him. This should have really been the him. part where Chris talks about Carl Sagan, but we're going to skip that part 
because he already talked about Carl Sagan. And we're going to go right to Jason. Dude, I will copy it and put it right in there, okay? Jesus. No, okay, so, so we'll do I'm a just cut. saying what I want to hear. He needs a two-second gap. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I'm about to uh, fart then and make that my oh story. God, no. Oh, no. Oh, God, no. <laughs> So, that. Jason makes me want to. So fart. everybody, now do you want to everybody do, out there? Do you want to do yours, Jason, or you want me to do the second one and then your then yours and then we'll do my final? Um, I'll you know what I'll just I'll go ahead and do mine and that way uh you can you know sandwich. really really do everything <laughs> that you you need to do with yours. Okay, so this this will be good. Can you guys fix that though? It's, I know my second one's gonna piss Jason off to no end, but go ahead. Nice. Wait, wait, can we picture what? A butt-knuckle sandwich? Yes, isn't that the most it's just strange thing to try to imagine in your head? What it I mean, it's not it's not great. Knuckles <clears throat> from your butt on a sandwich. So, or a pita. Th- I mean, prefer. that was a, that that <laughs> b- believe it or not, you're walking your on comments there. just now are they are the uh they're the perfect uh they're the perfect segue into my <laughs> Um, uh, 18th century famous composer. Mayo, no Mayo. Um, oh, it's good. It's good. So, this guy here, he was born January 27th, 1756, and died December 5th, 1791, at the ripe old age of 35. Hell no. He was baptized as Johann Christonimus Wolfgangus Theopolis Mozart. What? Better known as... Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Amadeus, um, Amadeus. His <laughs> yeah. rock me, Amadeus. Uh, his his pop Leopold uh, Mozart and his mama Anna Maria uh, birthed him around that time, and then they all lived in fucking Salzburg. Oh, they birthed. He also the had shit a. Out of him. He also had a sister, uh, Anna Maria Mozart. Uh, was nicknamed Nanurl, which I kind of dig for some reason. Nanurl. Do you dig that mm-hmm. because it sounds so much like the dog's name from The Lost Boys? I thought it sounded like Narwhal. I, I thought it sounded like uh, Neural from... from anyway, no, I just dig it. It's cute. Um, he was actually the youngest of seven kids, uh, and only his uh, sister and he survived because... 18th century. Seven? So, Jesus. Five of them gone in infancy um so uh his dad was a a minor composer and but he was a really fucking experienced teacher uh he was uh appointed as a fourth violinist in the musical establishment of count leopold anton von fuhrman uh who was the prince the prince archbishop print let me try that again he was the prince no see i why am i doing he was the prince archbishop of Salzburg. Peter picked Yay! the perfect pack of pickled peppers. Indeed. Mm. No, it's the season. It's the season. The S's. It's the season. The S. It's always the season. The Susie S's. Summer anyway. sells seashells by the seashore. No, there's no season anyway. Um, sheets for the sheet slitter's daughter because the sheet slitter's <laughs> daughter cannot slit sheets on her own. <laughs> See, that was good. So he became. Uh, uh, well, he, when his, uh, the year of his son's birth, uh, he had published a violin textbook, uh, Versuch ein Grundschild, uh, Violin School, 
which uh, is basically, hey, here's how to play the violin real well. Um, so he was, he was a fucking accomplished dude. When Nanurl was seven, she began playing keyboard uh, with her father because he was a great fucking teacher while her three-year-old brother looked on. Uh, years later, after her brother's death, she reminisced, saying, He often spent much time at the clavier, picking out thirds, which he was ever striking, and his pleasure showed that it sounded good. In the fourth year of his age, his father, for a game as it were, began to teach him a few min minuets and pieces at the clavier. He could play it faultlessly and with the greatest delicacy and keeping exactly in time. At the age of five, he was already composing little pieces, which he played to his father, who wrote them down. So basically, at the age of fucking three, he was already fucking playing uh, the clavier, just fucking goddamn French or, or German, whatever, for keyboard. Um, <clears throat> but at three years old, he's already fucking playing this shit, like, perfectly. And writing his own shit at the age of fucking five. Jesus, that's some fucking super genius shit right there. And and his his sister was no goddamn slouch either. Like she was fucking great too. So while he and his sister were young, uh, they made uh, quite a few just European trips where he and his sister performed as child prodigies as they were. They played for princes. They played for fucking imperial courts. They played for uh, the Pope at one fucking at one point. Uh, they went to Munich, Mannheim, Paris, London, The Hague, uh, back to Paris, Zurich, Donnerschweigen, whatever the fuck that is, and Munich. But during that trip to Munich, he started meeting other musicians. And he met uh, Johann Christian Bach, and he visited him quite a few times because he thought he was a fucking sweet, cool dude. Probably you know, was. musicians, when they find somebody that they can actually fucking sit down with and actually like and not hate because they're either better or fucking worse is like a, it's like a cool thing. It's a real fucking cool thing. So he wrote, he wrote his first symphony when he was eight years old. Fuck out of here. He wrote his first symphony when he was eight years old. Fuck out of here, dude. What, 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 what does it, what, dude, what does it makes take? Makes you question what you're doing with your life. Fuck, man. It makes me question why the hell genetics are so fucking so hugely vastly different in that respect why like how what is it what the fuck does it take to write every part for every instrument in the same song what does it really take like i've seen Espe what it especially takes. when every instrument's doing different shit exactly i've seen what it takes for like a, a rock band and shit that's four instruments maybe five tops you know i've seen that mm -hmm. but what is this is a fucking symphony orchestra how the hell how the fuck does any one person write for that let alone a goddamn eight-year-old what is the difference dude, like, some people some people are just naturals dude how he was and given why the tools is there such a gap like I, that fucking brain difference man fuck, man he was trained from birth to do it too no it pisses me off this will tell this will tell you how uh how crazy fucking just musically inclined he was uh, once in Rome, he heard uh, Giorgio Alighieri's, it's called Misery, perform twice in the Sistine Chapel, where that's the only fucking place it's ever performed. Mm -hmm. And the music for it has never fucking been released. He saw it twice and wrote it out from memory, producing the first unauthorized copy of this closely guarded property of the Vatican ever. Oh, man. So he was pirating music? <laughs> Basically, basically, yeah, yeah. yeah he, he was, was the basic, first. <laughs> That's his head, his head was the first <laughs> fucking CD burner. He was yeah. the LimeWire of the day. 
That's beyond amazing, though, dude. Can you imagine? Can you guys just fucking imagine if if that, right? Because that's not just musically inclined. Like, that's mathematically inclined. That's There's several different, you know what I mean, things that go into that. But can you just imagine right. if that level of intelligence was base? What was, like, the standard base level for our species? Can you imagine how much fucking more ridiculously advanced we would be by this point if everybody was just that smart <laughs> but but then we wouldn't have dummies to fucking make fun of chris yeah we would if that was base level then that would be the dummy level yeah but i would oh, need well, i would then, need my place in the world because i am an idiot after all no you would have robots by this point to do your your job right? <laughs> <laughs> This so is you true. Could give us more homework that we don't have. Well, I don't have time to fucking do. <laughs> okay, Shit so uh, with with all of these fucking uh, these European trips and shit, his dad hoped that his son would uh, that he would get basically set as an as an, to an appointment by Archduke Ferdinand, and Ferdinand did contemplate hiring Mozart, but his mom, uh, Empress Maria Theresa, she had a reluctance to employ what she. Which he called useless people. Oh. So the, mat- the matter was dropped, and his hopes were never realized as far as, uh, you know, being appointed by the Archduke. She's not Which the is, mama for after you hear, no, After you hear what he, what he could do at such a young fucking age, it's kind of crazy that he was uh, labeled a useless person. It's kind of crazy that they but, didn't label him possessed by the fucking devil. Oh, no, man. People ate this shit up. People ate this shit up like fucking crazy. Yeah, because it was soothing to their ears. But imagine if if yeah. they hated it. If it was if he created metal back in those days, he would have been possessed by the devil, regardless of how amazingly symphonic, oh, like he could have made it. Well, in seventy three, uh, seventeen seventy three, that is, uh, oh. he finally he finally became employed as a court musician by uh well they him and his dad they this is after their their tour of italy and shit they went back to back to salzburg and he was employed by prince prince archbishop Hieronymus colorado um uh he had a bunch of friends and admirers in salzburg and he worked his ass off and he worked uh in all kinds of different genres uh being like uh, symphonies sonatas string quartets uh masses serenades and a few minor operas remember he's still really fucking young so but he hated being there he hated being in salzburg he knew that he he couldn't do shit there like he was he was just a a court fucking musician it was the minor leagues yes they would they would be like hey uh we're gonna we're gonna get you to write this this music for this occasion basically kind of thing um but he wanted to compose operas, and Salzburg rarely ever, you know, get, had occasion for them ever. And then in '75, the court theater was closed, and every other theater in Salzburg was usually reserved for like visiting theatrical troops. So there was no place for him. So in '77, he resigned his position and went out into the world again looking for employment. He went back to Augsburg, Mannheim, Paris, Munich. He started making more friends with people, uh, famous orchestra people in, in Mannheim, who, who were the best in all of fucking Europe at the time. This is also when he met his first real love, who was Aloysia Weber. She was one of four daughters in a, a really fucking famous musical family. 
but not kind of well, nothing fucking came of it. <laughs> so he had to leave, and he kind of dropped that whole relationship thing with her. When he was out, he was so poor that he started having to pawn all his valuables. And then he got news while all this terrible shit was going on that his mom what had taken ill and died, and uh, mostly because uh, when she was sick there was a delay in even calling a doctor. Like, they could have saved her, didn't, died. Because they didn't have the fucking money. Yeah. So, he stayed out, and he moved in with uh, Melchior Grimm, who was a secretary of Duke d'Orleans, which is great, and lived in his fucking mansion. Which, you know, if that's going to happen, you might as well live in a mansion. No doubt. (sighs) So, we're going to jump forward a bit here. We're going to move him over to Vienna, because this is really where the the whole of what you know as Mozart happens. Um, he His first major opera in Vienna was released to what they say is a considerable success. But Mozart was fucking terrible with money. Like, he was really bad with money. And he was under Colorado still at the time here. Now, he just wanted to have a, a musical servant at hand. He didn't care if it was Mozart or some, anybody else, but Mozart fucking hated this. Because, I mean, Colorado would make him dine with the, the valets and cooks at dinners. Like, he wasn't this... He wasn't being recognized for the fucking genius that he was, basically. Damn. He was just a houseboy. Basically, yeah. He was just a houseboy that could play real pretty fucking music. And that's it. Nothing more. So, Mozart wanted a bigger fucking career and he wanted to leave and so he writes his dad he says my main goal right now is to meet the emperor in some agreeable fashion I'm absolutely determined he should get to know me I would be so happy if I could whip through my opera for him and then play a fugue or two for that's what he likes he did get to play for the emperor but dude Colorado just wasn't fucking letting him go really finally after over and over again just basically begging to fucking leave uh, he let him go he uh, <clears throat> he let him resign, but he was literally kicked in the ass on the way out. <laughs> it was ad- it was administered by the Archbishop Stuart Count Arco. So he decided to settle in Vienna as a freelance performer. But Colorado uh, kind of fucked up all of his other shit. Like he wasn't getting a whole lot of work. He wasn't getting well. He was blacklisted, basically. Kind of, yeah. He would perform as a pianist, and people would go to see him. And he was in a competition before the emperor with uh, another dude named uh, Muzio Clementi. Uh, And he had established himself as the finest fucking keyboard player in Vienna. He also was composing, doing an opera here and there. The first one, The Abduction from (laughs) Suragilio, which fucking goddamn Italian. After that, I mean, that first opera, that the first big one was being played everywhere throughout Europe. Like, people fucking ate his shit up because it was revolutionary. They were hearing things that no one had heard before out of this man. So, Aloysia, uh, the chick from earlier who had rejected him, uh, she was married now and they were happy and shit. So, Mozart uh, was like, hey, um, what's up with your sister, Constanzi? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so the courtship wasn't fucking great at first. Like that, they do have some 
correspondence from them and uh, they had separated a few times and he he had a really hard time getting his his father's permission to marry her they finally got married in 1782 uh, they got married the day before his father's official consent arrived in the mail oh, wow. which you know whatever so it was yeah. basically <laughs> an eloping instead yeah basically I guess mm-hmm. uh, they had six kids guess how many survived Ah. Oh no. This is the game we're going to start playing. <laughs> well, no. Cl- close. You got two. Two of them survived. Um So, uh but in this time from between like 82 and 83, he started really getting getting acquainted with uh the work of uh Johann Sebastian Bach with uh George Friedrich Handel and then just his shit started really progressing and changing into something that I mean, he was already bringing people stuff that was that was new and fresh. See, but now he's starting to. Can you imagine if mm-hmm. they would have done collaborations and featured artists back in those days? Man. Oh, indeed, indeed. Those rap because now he's bringing shit. shit. He's bringing shit to people that are. It's like it's moon music that is fucking enjoyable as fuck. This is shit that people have no nobody's ever fucking heard. So like, uh, my my favorite opera of his is the Magic Flute, and. Uh, there's this one aria in it which just means like uh, a woman's solo song that's just called the queen's aria and it is the most impressive vocal performance that any woman could ever hope to sing and when it's done well or perfectly it's it's moving to the point of fucking like moving <laughs> it's, it's it crazy Houston or what? um i whitney houston could not have fucking handled this song wow yeah, I'll say that now. I'll, I'll play it for you later. Um, so he, he that comes out. People are digging the fuck out of it. In 83, he and his wife visited his family in Salzburg. His dad and sister were still there. And they're, you know, hey, the uh, sister that he didn't actually like that he's married to now. Uh, how's it going? Like, they're cool, I guess. He did a little bit of the writing there. Uh, let her sing on it. Then he met uh, Joseph Haydn in Vienna. Like, this whole thing is like a walk-on of like, hey, there's fucking Mick Jagger. Oh, hey, there's fucking goddamn Paul McCartney. Like, mm. these Sounds names like are the fucking superstars of his day. And they're just all, like, hanging out and, like, talking fart jokes and shit. Sounds you know? like the intro to SNL. Yeah, indeed. Musical well, you know, <laughs> back in the day, yeah. Fucking Haydn says to uh, his dad in a, in a letter... I tell you before God and as an honest man, your son is the greatest composer known to me by person and repute. He has taste and what is more, the greatest skill in competition. Uh, composition, sorry. But still, like, that's fucking pretty serious fucking praise. He should apply to be a member of G. Smith and the Saturday Night Live Band. <laughs> oh, whatever happened to G. E. Smith, man? I loved his He's faces. He's still around looking his like a fucking creep. <laughs> were the best. <laughs> So, did you guys know that Mozart was a Freemason? No, but I guess I could have imagined he'd be part of the fucking Naked Club. (laughs) Okay, and then that's all I'm talking about it, because who gives a shit? It's a fucking goddamn gentleman's club. Um, (laughs) So he goes back to opera. Uh, This is around 86, 87. His life's starting to come to an end, but he is still fucking... He is shitting out some serious shit, like uh, the fucking Marriage of Figaro, which was actually uh, outlawed by the king uh, because it was based on a play that was uh, written by revolutionaries. 
And but then Mozart was like, but you should let me do it anyway. And the king was like, okay. And it became fucking huge. And he also came out with the opera Don Giovanni, which is one of the the few that I've seen in person, which is fucking impressive, a spectacle as you could ever fucking hope to see. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mozart's dad dies shortly the fuck after, and this is a cool little little uh, tidbit here. In in eighty seven, around the same time, is that uh, Ludwig von Beethoven spent several weeks in Vienna hoping to study with Mozart, although no record survived to really tell us if it ever happened. Uh, it's, I mean, it's cool. They were both there at the same time. Fucking Beethoven, little fucking Beethoven went there explicitly to see and meet and study with Mozart. Uh, so I like to think it happened. I can see Mozart's Damn. throwing grapes at the little deaf kid to get him to pay attention. Be like, hey, look over here, fucker. <laughs> he wasn't deaf yet, you dick. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so... Uh, toward the end of the decade, uh, Mozart's, uh, his circumstances and, and health started to worsen quite a bit. His circumstances, money-wise, uh, was because the, uh, the Austro-Turkish War had broken out. Basically, the aristocracy just didn't have the dough to fucking support music anymore. In 88, his family moved from like the, the central part of Vienna out, out into a suburb. And a lot of people think that's because they were that broke that they had to just move out of the city. But really they were paying the same amount they just uh had a lot more space for the amount you know what i mean but he still fucking he pissed money away like fucking crazy he went out on tour again hoping to find something new to help him out which didn't really happen his his final year though he had his best work came out of like it was a, a huge fucking moment of productivity for him he composed a ton with the opera the magic flute uh, his final piano concerto, a clarinet concerto, uh, some fucking series of string quartets, some other shit, and probably his most famous thing is his unfinished Requiem, which is a mass for the dead. <sighs> which, unfinished, should tell you something. <clears throat> so, it fucking Tell money and illness died. fucking pla- plague him for the rest of his fucking life. Mm-hmm. And always wondering, what's up with your sister? She still got that pussy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no man, they, they were cool, man. Like as far as I know, as far as I know, they were cool. Um, He's like he fell ill at while his brother-in-law. Was... Like, yeah, I had that. What? Oh, they were cool. He yeah, fell yeah. ill while <laughs> while he was like in Prague. <laughs> um, and, and his uh, premiere of his opera La Clemenza di Tito, and he fucking was basically bedridden. Uh, he was nursed in his final illness by his wife and her younger sister and attended to by the, by the family doctor, uh, Thomas Franz Closet. He was mentally occupied with the task of finishing the Requiem, but he fucking died. He died in his home on December 5th of 1791, and the, this, this thing describes his funeral. Mozart was interred in a common grave in accordance with contemporary Viennese custom, at the St. Mark's Cemetery outside the city on December 7th. If, as later reports say, no mourners attended, that too is consistent with Viennese bur- uh, burial customs at the time. Uh, later, uh, Jan wrote that Salieri, Sussmeyer, Van Sweeten, and two other musicians were present. The tale of a storm and snow is false. The day was calm and mild. When they say a commoner's grave, they don't mean like a, a fucking mass grave. They, they just mean he was he was a he was a common man like he wasn't he wasn't fucking aristocracy so he didn't have this fucking sweet ass fucking grave 
but he wasn't a pauper, so he wasn't fucking thrown in a mass grave. Uh, the thing with a common grave back then was that you could be you could be dug up in ten years to make room for somebody else, basically. They still do wow. that shit in Japan. The cause of his death uh, just completely can't be known. The official record has it as Hitzig's Preselfieber, which is severe military fever, referring to a rash that looks like millet seeds. I'm going to go with For a description syphilis. of the symptoms. Uh, so researchers have posited that at least 118 causes of death could be fucking pointed to, including acute rheumatic fever, streptococcalific infection, Bless you. Uh, trichinosis, influenza, mercury poisoning, and a rare kidney ailment. Huh. So, after he died, people fucking went crazy for him. Just like fucking everybody else that fucking died that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> one of the most fun things about him and why I say that the, uh, the segue you had was fucking pretty sweet, Chris, was that he loved shit humor. Yeah. He loved it. <clears throat> he fucking loved, loved, loved shit humor. And I, just real quick, uh, to, to end this, uh, am going to read a bit of his scatological humor in a letter to his cousin when they were somewhat young but not young enough for this to be okay um this was in 77 dear cuzbuzz i have received reprieved your highly esteemed writing biting and i have noted doted thy my great garfunkel my aunt slant and you two are all well mel <laughs> we too thank god are in good fettle kettle you write further Indeed, you let it all out. You expose yourself. You let yourself be heard. You give me notice. You declare yourself. You indicate to me. You bring me the news you announce onto me. You state in broad daylight. You demand. You desire. You wish. You want. You like. You command that I, too, should send you my portrait. Ick bien. I shall mail it. Mail fail it for sure. We, by the love of my sin, I shit on your nose so it runs down your cheek. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like something you would write, Jason, right there. <laughs> oh, man, if only I could do that. I like this so, guy. <laughs> his whole fucking family was like this, though, dude. This is a really short letter from his mom to his dad. I shit on your nose. Adio, adio ben mio. Keep well, my love. Into your mouth your ass will show. <laughs> I, w- I wait. <laughs> I wish you good night, my dear. But first, shit in your bed and make it burst. What the fuck? Oh my god. So, he... Mozart... Mozart actually uh, wrote a a canon, which is a... uh, Which is a a, a song called uh, Lek Mich I'm Arsk, which is... Uh Which is Lick Me in the Ass. Uh, Oh my god. I like this uh, guy a lot now. which, which, Which really... Which really, in today's day and age, would be kind of equal to kiss my ass. But still, it's fun. It's fun. So his whole family was uh, would just love joking about shit and and butts and stuff. So yeah, I had to throw that in there. And and really, just real awesome. quick, the reason I fucking love him so much is because he not only was just fucking so gifted, just insanely fucking gifted. He he fucking knew it. And if you didn't like him, fuck you. And he made sure to say it. Mm. Showed his ass to the fucking archbishop when he fucking wanted to leave. That's why he kicked him in it when he finally did. And, like, 
made dick and fart jokes in front of queens and kings and fucking was late to this and that because who, what the fuck are you going to do about it? I'm fucking Mozart. Love yeah, that. he fucking yeah. lived life in fucking poverty and ended, like, he was, he was the first fucking grungy shit punk rock but loved the way he looked. Had, his, had to have his fucking wig perfect and fucking crazy and, like, he just did shit that nobody else ever fucking did. And he didn't care if you liked him or not. He was just going to fucking do it anyway. And I when I knew that it was okay to fucking be that way, I it, it was an epiphany for me fucking watching Amadeus, which I'm not even going to go into how fucking wrong any of that movie is because it's very wrong. It was still a great movie. That, I mean, that's when I started telling people I fucking di- I dug opera because, uh, fuck you. I don't give a shit if you know, you know? So, yeah. Hey, there's Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Indeed. Shit on all of your noses. That's right. <laughs> shit in your bed. Make it burst. What? How much shit does that take? What are you drinking? What are you it's eating? Like a, it's like a... Oh, God. It's a bunch of shit, Chris. It really is. <laughs> what is your diet that you're oh. shitting in your bed until it bursts? Oh, I'm not changing those sheets. All right. All right, Rob, we got to half hour. Can we do it? Yes, we can, can do, we do it. it. Yep. If I can get through this person without you getting too pissed off. Well, I already know that you're going to be talking about a Nazi. Well, that's the last guy. You were short. That's the last guy. Oh, wow, really? Yes, that's the last so guy. So this is this is our president. This is one so of our presidents. So the guy I'm really going to get pissed off, the guy I'm really going to get pissed off about isn't even the Nazi? Exactly. <laughs> nice. Please, Bring please. It. Let's do this. Okay. We are going to be talking about Silent Cal, our 30th president, Calvin Coolidge. Dude, no, I love him. I always wanted him to be like my, my cool uncle like or like my mom's uncle that I only saw every once in a while. Like he would give you a dollar and tell you to go fucking buy, buy something nice for yourself and not tell your mom. And you'd be like, <laughs> with a fucking dollar and you'd throw it away. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start with a quote of his. And this is from 1914. It says, do the day's work. If it be protect the rights of the weak, whoever objects, do it. If it be help a powerful corporation better serve the people, whatever the opposition, do that. Expect to be called a stand patter. A stand patter is someone who stands in the way of progress. It's an old-timey term. I figured I'd give out the definition. Mm-hmm. But don't be a stand patter. Expect to be called a demigod, but do- but don't be a demagogue. Don't hesitate to be as revolutionary as science. Don't hesitate to be as reactionary as the multiplication table. Don't expect to build up the weak by pulling down the strong. And don't hurry to legislate. Give administration chance to catch up with the legislation. I can't even fucking say it, but you know what I'm trying to say. There you go. Legislation. He was our 30th president. (laughs) He was actually elected to be the vice president to Warren Harding. But Warren Harding decided to take his old ass around the country stumping after he won already Why he was out doing this. Ended up having a heart attack, dropping dead. Boom. Right then and there. So they actually had to go track down Calvin. He was staying in a one-room shack out in the middle of the woods with no electricity no phone, no nothing. They literally had to send a page on a horse to go up to this place to tell him, hey, you're the president now. Mm-hmm. Hey, guy. Yeah. <laughs> you want to come stay in this house? Guess what? Now, in 1924, he was re-elected to be 
president, so he actually wasn't just a placeholder. But he actually came up through Massachusetts as a Republican. Back in the day, huge, huge Republican territory. Everybody thinks today it's the Democrats and everything like that, but back then, it was the Republicans that held sway throughout there. He literally worked his way up. He was a city councilman. He ran for just about everything. The only election he ever lost was to be on the school board. And the reason they didn't elect him is because he had no kids. And when he found out that people didn't vote for him because they didn't have kids, he was quoted as saying, well, you didn't give me time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I totally could have got some chick pregnant, whatever, if that's what you guys needed. I, co- I just totally could have done that, but... I mean, God, you know, I'm just... <laughs> what, propelled, what propelled him into the national spotlight was in 1919, he was the governor of Massachusetts, and the Boston police decided they were going to try to unionize and then go on strike. Well, they went on strike. And Calvin at the time was kind of ignoring it, going, I'm the governor, I'm going to let the mayor deal with it, blah, blah, blah. After two days of rioting, though, he sent in the state national guard locked down the entire Boston city and fired every police officer on the Boston police at that time and hired an entire new police wow. department. Cause they all Damn. talked like idiots. How could they possibly exactly. do their jobs correctly? They sound but like he fired day. every police officer. Could you imagine if you were just a regular Joe beating the beating, going down your beat every night, doing your job, doing what you're supposed to do. You weren't striking. You weren't doing none of that. And he fires your ass anyways. It's like the ice cube. How do you get fired on your day off? I mean, yeah, it would, it would suck. Well, yeah, I don't know, man. That's the first that's thing. Just, I, I mean, that do. seems like it, that's a catch 22, you know, it's a, it's a good thing. Cause, cause I don't know why. I don't know what the politics were like back then. I don't know if they deserved to unionize or whatever. Well, no, because then they, if they fuck, wait, I don't know how unions work. What's a union? What's a union? <laughs> a union is people who collect money out of your paycheck and then don't do anything for you. Oh, well, yeah, let them use, unionize. I don't give a fuck. Uh, but he actually, uh, he started pressing for laws at the time. And actually today it is illegal for any fire department or police department to go on strike. Yeah. It is illegal for them to do that. They can no longer do that. Well, they can well, yeah, be that, in a union. That puts fucking lives in danger. Exactly. You signed paperwork, you bunch of buttholes. <laughs> you took an oath. Yeah, any job you got to take an oath to do, like I think that's it's a lot of responsibility. And it's even more responsibility when you have to take a Quaker oath. Oh, <laughs> that fucking guy. <laughs> not going to that guy. All right. He looked like Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> he, did. <laughs> he did. He looked just like him. All right. 1924, he gets reelected. When he comes in the office, the income tax rate is 95% for the wealthiest 40%. So if you were in the top 40% of income earners, you were paying 95 cents on every dollar you earned in the United States. What? I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. So his first year, he lowered it down to 58%, and he fired half of the federal government. In 1924, he cut half the federal government off. He just said, you guys, go somewhere else. 50% off the top, done. Is that his cure for every disease? Is he like, my kid's fucking baseball team is losing. 
Everybody on the fucking coaching staff gone. Fight. New coaching staff unproven. Let's go. You fight. Pretty much. You fight. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I'm already drawing parallels. Then he lowered it from 58% to 46%. And he eliminated all income taxes for 2 million U.S. citizens. 2 million in 1924. I don't know the percentage of population, but that had to be a huge chunk of fucking people not paying taxes anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hello, depression. And then he cut another 50% off the budget, off the top. 50%, another cut. So he cut... 75% of the government in two years. God he just damn. walked into to office with a fucking chopping block and a samurai sword, right? Like He was like, Pretty we're going to fucking do this, and we're going to do it fucking right way. Pretty much. So, by 1927, three short years later, only the wealthiest 2% paid all the income tax. So, 98% of America paid no income tax at all. And why would I not like this guy? Because I'm okay with that. Because he, well... You know, I didn't think you were on. You didn't like too many people on the right. Well, I mean, if he's all about making just the richest fucking take care of everybody else, I'm okay with that. But he cut. You got to think that means there's no welfare. There's no social security. There's nothing like that right in this budget at all. It doesn't have there's to be. Well, you're not no paying taxes, net. so you can afford him now. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry. To put it in perspective, the state of New York had a higher operating budget than the federal government from 1925 through 1928 the state of new york spent more money running the state of new york than the federal government did running so he more like neutered the government's uh uh, fucking possibility of doing uh anything good yes gotcha yep gotcha gotcha he cut it down to nothing and I mean absolutely nothing. Interesting. Um, mm. He probably would have been elected again in a landslide, but in 1927, his son died, and he is quoted as saying, "My presidency died with my son. He just didn't have the heart to do anything anymore. Um, pretty much retired from public life, and he never played catch again. Pretty much. Um, you cut forward a few years." They, they actually, during the Great Depression, they tried to call him up and say, hey, your country really needs you. Come help us get out of this Great Depression. So he shows up in Washington. He, he lines out a proposal to do this. And FDR says, we can't do that and kicks him out. Damn. Well, I mean, but he had his New Deal uh, in the process. And, uh, you know. Yeah, the New Deal actually extended the Great Depression. He wanted all years. the glory. Glory and <laughs> glory and dust storms is all we got. But Calvin Coolidge, to me, is what the federal government should be. It's what is what it should be. There shouldn't be a Department of Education. There shouldn't be an EPA. There shouldn't be any of that crap at a federal level. The federal government should only be there to stop squabbles between states. And but then, if we could but cut, then states aren't states. Then we're not a United States of America. We are a bunch of states that we we are we we are countries at that point. Louisiana is a country. Tennessee is a country. Wherever the fuck Chris exactly. is, is wherever the fuck Chris is. Well, that's, but and that's the that's, way it's supposed to be. But yeah. but then we're Europe, and then we have to fucking no. stop bathing and eating frogs and shit. I'm not down. It's, I don't like it. it it's just like 
It's just like Franklin said, I've got a republic if you can keep it. They envisioned every state to be a laboratory, every state to be different. What works in California is not going to work in Tennessee. What works in Texas is not going to work in Louisiana. So why should you, Jason, pay tax dollars in Louisiana for crap that happens in Oregon? Why should you send money to the federal government to disperse to other states? Why should I try to answer a question if you're going to talk over me with another question? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hey, man, it's all about goodwill toward men, man. It's all about what Tiny Tim said at the end of that fucking beautiful book by Dickens. He said, well, what about an operation for my fucking legs, you old man? <laughs> my third leg. And that rich old man, out of, the jo- out of the kindness of his heart, reached in his pocket and paid for that kid to have it. Instead of having the government come extort money from him to then but, turn around but and what give if, it to the kid and take 20% off the But what if every old man's like, nah, I don't think I want to do that. Well, then you have to have somebody extort him. Because the doctor needs a yacht, and he's not going to fucking get a yacht unless the government extorts money from fucking Ebenezer Scrooge. I've said it once, and I'll say it a thousand more times. Fuck you, Ebenezer Scrooge. All you brought was a goddamn turkey, and you expect everything to be cool? Fuck you. He bought the biggest goose. He bought the biggest goose. Oh, the goose. I'm sorry. You're right. My bad. The fact that it wasn't it was a turkey, a that it was in fact a goose. It was the biggest, largest Christmas goose that he could fucking pay a child to run down to the fucking store and fetch for him. That he couldn't even fucking walk and waddle his fucking stupid cane ass over there and get it himself. That That's makes right. it all better. You're right. You're right, Robert. You've fucking opened my eyes to fucking goddamn <laughs> communism. Wasn't even a turkey. No. No communism. All right, so you want to move on to my le- my least controversial Nazi pick here? The <laughs> least controversial Nazi pick. <laughs> is he your least There's controversial? Here all the time. Or is there. he your least controversial Nazi? He is the least controversial Nazi you will ever hear of. That's awesome. Is he? Is he? Uh, is he Tom Cruise? He's Joe the Nazi. <laughs> no. He was drafted. No Tom Cruise. It is the Devil Fox, Rommel. Erwin Rommel, which I'm sure you didn't pick him because it's because it's Rommel Rommel. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you gotta love the Desert Fox. Desert Fox. He was the mm-hmm. Desert Fox. I love the Dessert Fox. Yeah, was... mm, that too, dipped in chocolate. Mm. I was like, Devil oh fox. man, and then just just drizzled on with that fucking that awesome strawberry like. That, that cream stuff that you put on top of those fucking little strawberry shortcakes. And I'm like, oh, man, Desert Fox, great. Mm. Well, Rommel, unfortunately, killed himself. Huh. He oh. took cyanide Well, then, yay, he is, he is the best Nazi. Well, he was kind of given an option. He put Hitler in a bad position because he tried to kill Hitler. He was... One of the lead people in the July 20 plot to kill Hitler were using a bomb, but they put the bomb on the wrong side of the fucking table. And yeah, that that was the the movie Valkyrie with uh, uh, Tom Cruise. Never saw it. Yes, they. Me either. I saw a a, a History Channel thing about it though. But that gave Hitler a problem because he wanted to execute Rommel. He wanted to take him out in the street, hang him, and put a message out there, but he couldn't. Because Rommel was so big in the propaganda and people loved him so much that Hitler was afraid that if he publicly executes him and puts him on trial, 
that the people would turn against Hitler. Hey, you become a martyr. <laughs> can I exactly? Can I just make one one quick statement? Uh, and you know, this is something that, uh, and I've said this really recently a couple times. This is something I never thought I would say, but um, 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 it's becoming more and more apparent to me in my in my adult ages and stuff. Uh, so yeah, people are idiots. And I'm sorry to say this, myself included. I'm a, I fucking have exhibited, uh, what you call it, signs that I have fallen victim to this as well. But if okay, say if if people were not influenced by um, things like media and and entertainment and such. You know, because you remember growing up and listening to rock music and shit and, you know, seeing the, the fucking Geraldo special about how, you know, heavy metal music makes you be a Satanist and fucking murder babies and shit. Um, and thinking it was way fucking cooler because of it. Yes. Yeah. 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 So. So. OK. So I've always been that that rebel kid. No, I'm smarter than that. It's not the music that makes me crazy. It's fucking society. Blah, blah, blah. No, that's that's kind of. Yeah, it's kind of true, but kind of not true. So but but my point, though, is that if that wasn't true, then propaganda wouldn't be a thing. Like the government right. is slapping you in the face with the fact that this is true, and they are manipulating everything you see. That they it has to go through their approval first before you see it. Come on, man. Continue, Rob. And you had me, you had me so fucking terrified that you were going to end that rant with, and I think Hitler was right. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. He was no, a lovely painter. You have no I-, I will give him. You that. have no idea. You have no idea the the wave of fucking calm that just came over me when when you started talking about propaganda. Nice. I was like, oh, thank God. No, but when, but when he said <laughs> that guy like Hitler hated him because he put him in a, a a fucking a bad position, I immediately mm-hmm. thought of uh, a touching documentary about Hitler called Spooning Hitler. <laughs> I was like, Aww. oh, okay. I, I thought I thought about Hitler like in a headlock getting a noogie. <laughs> and I was like, that's an uncomfortable position. Noogieing Hitler. <laughs> so Hitler gave him, gave Rommel the option. You can either commit suicide quietly and save face, or we're going to put you on public trial and we're going to ruin your life and everybody you Dude, ever met fucking knew. Make, making them commit fucking seppuku? What the fuck? <laughs> Wait, they still kind of well, do that he, to this he day, took, though. Yeah, he took cyanide pills. Yeah. Same diff. Rommel was actually a lifelong teacher and military man. He was a decorated World War I uh, officer. He published a book in 1937 called Infantry Tactics, which is actually why Hitler wanted him so bad because infantry tactic tactics is still studied today it's basically the bit the basics for blitzkrieg you come ah. in with overwhelming force you take things over hitler actually had a copy of this book it's just you come in fast with overwhelming power and you just take shit over before anybody even knew what happened it's basically the the basics of this book it, it it's the it's the blitzkrieg bop if you will mhm yes Yes, but he was a highly decorated World War One officer. He was known for his chivalry throughout the English uh-huh. troops, and Patton had a great respect for him. Patton was actually uh-huh. very pissed when Hitler pulled him out of out of battle and brought him back to Germany. So he would have been it, the one because Patton really Hitler wanted to take him chance. on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and really, 
what what better bedfellows could there be? Yeah, he's a nurturer. Mm. And oh, Rommel man. was quoted that one of his favorite quote is a war without hate. He was a notorious person who was not on board with the final solution. He made it very clear that he was not an anti-Semite, that he didn't blame everything on the Jews. He believed he was a German soldier first and foremost. So if Germany went Mm -hmm. to war, he was going to go to war, but he wasn't going to go there because he hated somebody. He was going to go because he was serving his country. Which is how most, uh, most fucking, well, I can't say most, but which is how a lot of uh, Nazi soldiers went to war, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, that, that's the thing. I mean, very few people, unless you were living in, in the town of Auschwitz, very few people knew about what was actually happening. And the people that knew turned a blind eye to it, and those are the most despicable people. I mean, it was... Mm-hmm. Well, see, there's the propaganda despicable. shit again. You're a fucking normal person. Why would you know? Why would you know unless it's put in your fucking face and told to you who to hate and why we're killing everybody? Although it doesn't have to be a fucking really real reason. Like, we're just... These are people who are governing everything telling you, okay, we're going over there. So, yeah, most people don't fucking... Most people weren't there because they hated everybody else. No, fuck no. That's... (laughs) What the fuck? That's, but but again, though, back in those days, we everybody was so fucking gullible, and you know we believed everything the government told us. Because why would they lie to us? They're protecting they us. They still do today. Well, they yeah, still but still do today. That's what. Oh my god, that's what drives me fucking insane. Like what? How? I don't know the the sheepishness of the whole thing. What is? What kind of person are you really to believe everything? It, well, it yeah. The, the, the scariest thing about uh, that whole thing is like this dude does sound like a genuinely good dude who happened to be really good at showing people how to kill each other, which, you know, whatever, that's the world they lived in. And we kind of still do, I suppose. But it's it is the mass of people that that hold no fucking ideology with it aside from this is my country. I will fight for it. Um, I don't. Th- I don't even think it's that. I think it's mob mentality at its fucking finest. Let's play to that psychology, because they were basically. Well, no, I'm, no, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying with Rommel in particular. Oh, okay. And my people bad. that were like him. My bad. As people that went to war because of nationalism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they yes. were because it sounds like he was vehemently against the final fucking solution, but was going to help carry it out anyway. And I mean, I, I hate saying this, but I absolutely. That's fucking cowardice. That's yeah. I mean, well, there's you, a you debate say, on you could say what else he could knew. do. There's a debate on whether or not he actually knew it was happening. It sounds like he was kind of high up in the whole deal, and especially if he was, you know, the propaganda machine. It, I don't know. Yeah, but he wasn't part of the inner circle. He was more of the face of the war that Hitler put out there, but he wasn't into. Now, if he was running the war then pretty much there would be no Europe today. They would it would be Germany, maybe Great Britain, and then us right now. Hmm. Them some uh, strong words coming. Well Well because yeah, Ru- like, Russia would have fucking stomped him. But Well if he wouldn't have went in the Rommel would have never went into Russia. He he knew better. Ah. But but Rommel had no air support. 
He had inferior equipment. The only thing he had on his side when he was fighting in Northern Africa and all through Italy and whatnot was he had experienced troops. But he had inferior... Yes, in tactics. But he had no air support. He didn't have bombers and and planes coming over him, destroying, destroying the enemy tanks. He didn't have any of that stuff. And he would win battle after battle, even without the air support, with the inferior equipment, just by coming in and just doing what he had to do to win. What song did Air Support sing from the 80s? What was it? <laughs> <laughs> that, I'm not in the hair metal. That's not my thing. Sorry. Uh, I, I, that's why I can't think of it. I just know that they were. All right. Anyway. But yeah. So his, his men were like, hey, this dude's fucking cool because most of us are still alive and they're not because we won. Yeah. High five. And everybody's high fiving. And then they take all their clothes off because they think they see an oasis. But it's actually fucking water. It's not even like a mirage. And they're like, they're all swimming together, having a cool beach day. Cool beach day. <laughs> and today, Germans, Germany's largest army base still bears his name. And that says something because... Because they scrubbed the fucking Nazis out of everything. Yes. Germany did everything in its power to get rid of any sign. I mean, Hitler's family changed their names. Mengele's family changed his ne- changed their name. Everything well, I mean, was you have, scrubbed you have to admit, except for You have Rommel. to admit, that's, that's a pretty big fucking oopsie to, to want uh, standing around. Like, you teach people about it, but you don't fucking throw it up on billboards. Hey, this is where it was. Exactly. Fair enough. Fair Fuck you, enough. Jefferson Davis. To me, he was he was a soldier. He was a he loved his country. He did everything he could to save his men. He wasn't just going to throw them away like like Patton would mm-hmm. would blatantly send wave oh, after pa- wave into somewhere yeah. until it was just Patton was a his force was decimated, supreme. but he would still win. I fucking couldn't stand that motherfucker. I have some still respect can. for Patton, but at the same time, he is not what I would model my life no. after. No, because he, he didn't see his soldiers as lives. He saw them as no. uh, as toys to be thrown Arms. into the fire as long as it put out the fucking fire. Exactly. Arms but my, my grandfather was a huge World War II buff, and I just remember him having all the documentaries, the books, everything like that. He fought in World War II, and even he had much respect for Rommel and he Rommel and my grandfather were really reasons why I why I actually joined the military when I did so it was before the 9-11 before the mad rush before all of that I wanted to serve my country I hear and that. it wasn't because I hated anybody and it wasn't because mm-hmm. I actually wanted to go kill anybody it's because I actually wanted to serve and defend my country I and I hear that and I respect that and for that sure. is actually that is exactly the reason why I never did, because my grandpa was in Pearl Harbor and he fought in World War II and in Korea and things like that, and my dad was in, uh, you know, Vietnam and shit. Uh, but I grew up from a very early age. I mean, everybody grows up from a very early age. But mine, <laughs> you don't say. What? I had this, I, I had this idea in it where, uh, um, you know when you're in something like that, it's the government who tells you what you're going to go live, die, and fight for, and fuck them. They're not my brain. Yeah, I'll fucking was, kill somebody for the reason I want. I'll I fucking wanna. defend defend myself for the reason that I want. Yeah. And uh, so that's what always really scared me about it is that 
someone else's decision, someone else's pissing contest, or as Rob loves to bring up, dick measuring contest. Yep, yep. Uh, That's right. Decides, Slap decides them out, boys. What decides what fucking barren wasteland I'm being sent to to die. Yep. That always kind of freaked me out. Uh, yeah, I was just an asshole and didn't want to be told what to do. Yeah, same shit. But I, I do absolutely understand and respect your decision to do the opposite. For sure. Yeah, no, I, when I say things like the sheep and all that, like, I, I, I get it. It's admirable. I appreciate it. All of that fun stuff. Uh, respect where respect is due. But at the same time, you know, I personally have never gone into anything 100% thinking that everybody's telling the truth and that everybody is on the up and up. Oh, no, no, that's a good way to live your life. <laughs> I try, anyway. <laughs> so, Rob, uh, in closing here, because we are fucking perfectly timed, I could not have worked out better. Nice. I have just one one question for you. Um, okay. You ever kill anybody? <laughs> not in the services. Not in the services. Okay, so Rob just got scarier. Um <laughs> I did grow up in Baltimore now. <laughs> I I like this episode uh, quite quite a bit, actually, and so did my dog, which is why he's barking at me right now. Yeah, it might be because it. he liked the episode. It could be because he's about to piss on my floor. So, what I'll say here is, you've just listened to another fucking awesome episode of Bark Bark. Exactly. Bark Bark. You, <laughs> if I can see no, hear no, speak no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll catch my cue this time also uh, with the UFOs, conspiracies, and murders. Uh, and, and me. Yeah, this was a pretty cool one. Thanks for that, Robot. Remember to buy your t-shirts to email us. See no, hear no, speak no, pod at gmail.com. Indeed. With some, uh, epi- some and, uh, suggestions and shit. And if you actually have someone who changed your life somewhere, tell that person if you can. Because everybody's got somebody in their life that at one point in their time said something to them that just stopped them in their tracks and made them actually examine themselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, if if the rest of his life wasn't such a, a boring piece of shit, I'd have talked about who in my personal life fucking helped me out with my shit. So, uh, but like I said, before my dog fucking pisses on my floor, which he's totally about to do in three seconds... I'm going to do a fucking countdown, and hopefully he doesn't start peeing when I get to one. Awesome. Good night, <laughs> children. Three, two, one.